Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. You're tuning in to the episode with Caroline Fabregas. She's the CEO of Scent Marketing. She's a client and friend. And if you missed it last week, check out that episode with Margarita Ariagata. She's a consultant and the former chief merchant of Sephora. And coincidentally, Caroline is the one who introduced me to Margarita. I hope you enjoy those shows. Oh, and one more thing. This episode is sponsored by Babblebox. Babblebox is an integrated influencer marketing agency run by my very good friend, Sherry Langbert. They're best known for their innovative co-sampling programs. Babblebox creates a competition-free, theme-based sampling program that places your products in the hands of social media influencers who are guaranteed to post, pin, snap, tweet, and share your message. I trust Sherry, and so should you. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Where Brains Meet Beauty. I'd like to introduce you to Caroline Fabregas. She is the CEO of Scent Marketing and the co-CEO of Scent Invent. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Oh, thank you. So good to see you and so delighted to be here. I'm so happy that we're doing this together. And I would like everyone to know how we met because I think this is important, the origin story. Um, so Wendy Berger, who's the founder of Pour Le Monde Fragrances, introduced me to you and your business partner, Abby. Um, and... Wendy's an incredible connector. You're so generous as a connector, and you are such a generous connector. Thank you. And I've learned about connecting from both of you, so I'm so incredible. It's so incredible for me to be sitting here with you, and you've taught me so much, and I'm just so delighted to have you as a guest well, on the Well, likewise, show. likewise. It was great to meet Wendy, but then when, you know, you came along with the package, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was extra bonus. <laughs> so um, let's start with something simple. How have you been spending your day today? Oh, gosh, what a great question. So uh, I've been spending my day today following up with all my wonderful scent marketing clients who are just so eager to have their candles and their room sprays. That's what happens when you have a signature scent that works so beautifully in the environment. The guests and the customers want to take it home with them. And I've been spending some time with Abby this morning on um, Scent Invent Technologies. We have our Linger Fragrance Primer, so we've been having a distribution meeting this morning and also talking about a new fragrance brand that we have in the works. Oh, yes. that's it's exciting. been a busy morning, but yeah. um, here right on time for you because this was very important <laughs> to me. <laughs> so um, let's talk about scent marketing because I don't know that this is a brand that many people know about because it's very insider. So can you tell us what this is? Oh, my pleasure. So scent marketing is the art and science of using fragrance as a brand enhancer. Uh, it can be ambient, it can be in the air, you don't see it, you don't feel it, but you smell it, and it changes the way you perceive the environment or the brand. The hospitality industry really uh, garnered this early on. They understood the power of it. And now, all these years later, it's starting to become mainstream. I didn't start the company. It was started by my late husband, Harold Folkt, who was an advertising executive. And he was really an early adopter in understanding the power of scent to be able to create that ultimate backdrop against which your brand plays and against it really enhancing everything you do. So are you allowed to say who your clients are? Yes, absolutely. I'm proud to say uh, who, who some of our clients are. We started with Hyatt uh, Hotels, uh, Hyatt Place. My late husband, Harold, created the signature scent. This was 10 years ago. So this is also um, you know, a wonderful testament to the loyalty that happens with scent marketing. It's so beloved that people just keep repeating it and doing it over and over. It's endemic to the brand. Uh, we've gone on to work with uh, the One Hotel, which is in Miami 
For those of you who've been to South Beach, you might have um, seen the hotel or certainly smelt it. Um, we also have uh, the Baccarat uh, Hotel and Residences here in New York, and that's also led us to scent the six Baccarat retail stores in the U.S. We've also just created the signature scent for the Triton Hotel in San Francisco, but we also work with H&M and Calvin Klein, and um, we also work in the fitness space with Physique 57 and Ride Bicycle Studios and Powerhouse Gym in Fort Lauderdale. So we really get to work across a lot of wonderful uh, industries and with some of the world's best brands. So I would imagine that if I am a retailer or hotel, can you send a restaurant? Yes, and we are working on a very, very famous restaurant here in New York right now to remain nameless, but you'll all know it when I come back and tell you. Yes, in the, in the foyer, it's a wonderful thing to set the ambiance for the beautiful meal you're about to have. Right. So if I um, am a marketer for any of those types of um, organizations and I'm not leveraging scent marketing, I'm really missing out on a revenue generator, not just an experience, right? Like this yes. turns into product, not just experience. Yes, this is what we've uncovered. You know, when I uh, inherited the business from my late husband, when he passed away, unfortunately, at a young age of a heart attack, I, I didn't know at all what to do with it. I had to learn the business from scratch. And as I learned about ambient scenting, the art and science of that, I quickly realized the incredible impression that it makes upon the guest or the customer. And, and they naturally started to say, how can I take this home? And I'd never made a candle before or a room spray. I was always in the skincare business. And so I quickly had to learn how to find those right resources. And, and suddenly, before you know it, you have this burgeoning candle business. Right. And it creates, a, a, obviously, a sale for my company, but a wonderful revenue stream for my client. And uh, it's this wonderful circle of everybody really winning. Yeah, it's the... Um the best reminder of your experience, right? To take that fragrance home with you and have it in, um, in your bathroom, your bedroom, wherever it is that reminds you of that time in the restaurant or that time at the gym, right? That motivation at the gym mm -hmm. or that feeling in the morning of like finishing a workout, whatever it is. Um, you know, obviously it's, scent is all about memory, right? And here's a great opportunity to make more memories. Absolutely. There are so many studies that actually show that in the presence of scent, a brand's value is enhanced or a product's value. Um, the memorability of a brand, when you smell that brand through the olfactory lens as opposed to see it, the, the visceral response, the speed at which you remember the brand is much faster. And um, all in all, it just it really just sort of adds to the entire loyalty factor of somebody wanting to come back and, and do it again. Right. So um, if we could go back in time a little bit, and um, at the time before your husband passed, and I'm sorry to hear that he passed. Ah, uh, thank you. Um, you were in our business, but not at all fragrance. Like he, he, this was his business, and you had your own your own work, and it was completely separate. Yes, totally separate. Absolutely separate. I was so lucky to have risen up through the ranks of this beautiful beauty industry. Um, so many wonderful helping hands along the way for me. And I became the senior vice president of marketing for Clarence and then the SVP of group business development. And um, I was uh, living my dream and working in the skincare industry. Uh, obviously, Clarence does have makeup and had some fragrance, but skincare was really the core. And, and running the marketing department and working with uh, DRTV and, and really, you know, maintaining that number four position that Clarence had at the time in mm -hmm. the prestige skincare industry. And, and my late husband was entrepreneur and starting this um, really early stage business of scent marketing. He was re really a pioneer in the space. So, um if we can just stay in this topic a little bit more. So 
um, this unfortunate tragedy happens to your family, and then you're faced with what to do about his business. Is that what happens? Yes, I was not involved in his business. And for the first couple of years after he passed, I had full-time work that I was very committed to. And so I didn't know what to do, uh, but I inherited it uh, in the will and had a responsibility to obviously some of his clients. So I hired some um, consultants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I consult now. Mm -hmm. I hired consultants to help me. And uh, I think sometimes in a business, um, using that strategy is very, very helpful. It allowed me to breathe, uh, to know that others were carrying on his great work while I could really determine if mm -hmm. this was a business that I wanted to build or um, how I would uh, go forward. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, I concluded it was something that I was passionate about and um, kind of just counted on myself that I would I would figure out what it would take to, to build it and, mm -hmm. and happy to say that we have in the last uh, several years been able to build it quite nicely. That's incredible. So if now let's just shift gears a little bit because you have um, a lot of balls in the air, right? You juggle uh, many, many things. Um, can you tell us about Scent Invent and what you do there? Oh, yes. Yeah. So Scent Invent was sort of an outgrowth of, of what we do in scent marketing. And when my late husband passed away, Abby, who is a business friend, but she's also a neighborhood and personal friend, um, came to my to my arms, to my rescue, and she helped me with scent marketing early on as one of the people that sort of advised. And uh, we both really um, collaborated and, and found that not only did we enjoy working together, which is so important, mm -hmm. but we found that we had a love of scent really through the consumer lens. And we both sort of looked at each other and said, we really love scent, but to why does it always need to be um, a spray? Um, is there something beyond the bottle? And with this question in mind, we went to see my late husband's chemist and chief technical officer uh, who would collaborate with him. And we posed this question to our chemist and uh, he came up with lots of different uh, interesting forms. And when I looked at them, I realized with my skincare expertise and experience that there might just be another way to think about delivering fragrance. And so for the past several years, we've been in the lab, <laughs> being the nutty scientists that we can be, and and thinking about that. And under Scent Invent Technologies, we did launch Linger Fra Fragrance Primer, uh, the world's uh, one of the world's first fragrance primers to help any fragrance last longer, which was an invention unto itself. And um, along the way, we've discovered some other very unique forms that we've put under a special brand that we're going to be premiering shortly. So that's how I've ended up in the world of fragrance and, and now in the world of on the skin uh, and lifestyle fragrance. And uh, so you are an entrepreneur at times too. How do you decide how to split your time? Well, I'm very fortunate in having Abby as a partner, Abby Wallach, because Abby is spending um, most of her time on Scent Invent, and that allows me to be able to take care of my family business in scent marketing. And so Abby um, and I have very different skill sets. I think that's very important in any partnership. We complement each other. Fundamentally, we have the same shared values as female entrepreneurs and mothers. Um, hardworking women, but we um, we also have very different skill sets. So uh, when I need to perform my skill sets, I do, um, and then the rest of the time she's carrying on the day to day. Mm -hmm. so I'm very lucky in that regard. Right. So you have Abby as a partner on one end, and then you're with, working with your new husband on the other side, right? With with scent marketing. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I still do think of him as new, although we've been married <laughs> seven years this year. Oh, I hope it's not. We're not going to have the seven-year itch. <laughs> um, he um, he's wonderful. I was very fortunate to um, to remarry. Um, I think when you've had a a wonderful marriage, uh, you know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I was very fortunate to remarry. And my um, husband Alex uh, was in the restaurant business in hospitality and 
has a wonderful flair for making people feel at ease. And so he um, learned also the scent marketing business and, and is our uh, basically our director of all things commercial and um, operations. And he helps the uh, mechanisms of the business work day to day and does a great job. So I'm sure we have a lot of listeners who are either in business with their significant other or thinking of starting a business with their significant other. Um, what advice would you give somebody who's about to embark on that journey? Uh, I think it's a thoughtful um, journey. <laughs> I think it's really important to uh, make sure that you do keep things very separate. Um, and so not only your living spaces should be separate, so if you're working from your home office, to make sure that that office has a door that you can close, that things are kept in different places, and to keep your conversations separate. So when you're working together, you're working, and when you're having family time, you're having family time. And that can come down to the discipline of even setting the days and the hours that you're going to speak. Uh, we have a big whiteboard at home, and we put our goals down on that so we can stare at it every time we go up and down the stairs and close that door to the mm -hmm. office. And uh, I mean, I think the best I c advice I can, can give is, is ultimate respect. You know, I have such respect for what my husband does. And I really, um, you know, even though I own the company and inherited it and am the CEO, I, I have um, great appreciation for him and I empower him to do what he does well. Identifying what each of you does well. You know, if Abby and I have certain skill sets, my husband and I have certain mm -hmm. skill sets. Capitalize on what he really does well and what he likes. And then I actually find that allows me to do what I really like to do and probably am better at. What part of it do you think you're better at and that you love the most? Uh, I think where I really find myself just having that uh, thought, and maybe you've had this, this thought, Jody. you know, when you do something and just no time exists, like you, mm -hmm. time is suspended, you don't <laughs> realize that it's going by because you're so enamored by what you're doing. And for me, it is the scent development. Uh, for me, it is the understanding of a brand's intrinsic DNA. It's understanding a brand's essence and being able to articulate that and uh, to create the brief that then a master perfumer can interpret and um, create that ultimate signature scent. And uh, that, that for me, when I do that, no time exists. And then to be working on that level with the, the client. And uh, that, that, that's really what gets me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> so for me, it sounds like... Um, the way I think about musicians, right? I can't play the drums or the guitar or the anything. I can't compose. Like, this is a big mystery world to me um, around how music gets made, how, like, human beings are able to create such incredible sounds um, and put them all together. So would you say in this equation you're the composer and the perfumer is the musician? Like, is that sort of what happens that is so. That's such a great analogy. You're so good at that. Um, uh, yeah, I think of I think of myself as sort of the scent, scent architect mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, in in terms of you know creating the the structure. Uh, but then the the building has to get built, right? right. So yes, the the instrument has to be played. Right. Um, so yes, I think there's a lot of um, parallel there in what you're saying. So let's um, go back to talking about the family dynamic when you both work in the same company. Um, both of you are disciplined enough to like, let's say 5.30, like you shut the door to the home office and you go into the kitchen and talk with the kids or start making dinner and you're really not talking about work? 
Um, not 100% <laughs> because maybe FedEx is at the door. Right, right. <laughs> we, do, we do have a home office as, as well. Um, we try. You know, with everything in life, you can just try to, to do the best you can right. and have that be enough sometimes. Right. Um, and if we find that we're getting off course and spending too much time with work invading the family space, we're quite, quite open and quite good at, at taking a reality check on that. And will the kids clue you into that you've be become con too concerned with work in front of them? Do they ever say anything to you? Um, you know, they've been surrounded by entrepreneurship their entire lives. Their dad used to have a home office when he started the mm -hmm. company, and they were very, very used to coming home from school when they were very little and going and finding him in his home office. Mm -hmm. So they're very used to that sort of merging of the professional and the family life. Um, and actually, sometimes I, I find them very helpful <laughs> uh, to us as well. Um, so, yeah, you just have to be vigilant. Right. So um, I love that when I work from home, my kids come home and they um, they look for me in the office, or I shoo them away if I'm on the phone. <laughs> I like when like shh, and I like wave my arm. But um, then I can come down. My home office is like tucked away through my closet, so it really is like a little bit of a, a pathway. So I'll come down the stairs and then I'll see them and hang out with them for a little while. And I feel like it's so cool for them to see um, that I can work and then not work and then work again and then not work and. Um, because, you know, work used to be so rigid, right? You were at the office or you were traveling. And I love that they see a window into another way um, and that I created that way. It feels really incredible. But at the same time, it's really hard to shut my brain down, you know, <laughs> like, and um, stop thinking about the stuff. Because, number one, it is fun. Like you said, time passes. You don't even know what happened. Yeah. And then, you know, I have a tendency to obsess about things that aren't resolved or that are on the list or for whatever reason I can't get it out of my head. Um, do you have any tricks for sort of trying to shut, shut your brain down a little bit when it comes to your work? Uh, my children are a bit older now, so when their father passed away, they were six. Now they're mm -hmm. about to turn 14, so actually I find them very helpful to me. They are so incisive. They're so smart. Sometimes they have a better solution to a problem than I do, so I actually engage. Mm -hmm. If there's something really on my mind, I think, what do you think about this? I have this, this situation. And, oh, mommy, this is, just do this, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, you're right, <laughs> you know, out of the mouths of babes. Right. So I think as they get older, it's actually nice to sort of engage with them. And I, I find that they are, children are sponges. They're so observant. And um, I think they're very inspired, actually. They, they learn without us realizing mm -hmm. in, in a healthy way. Um, in fact, my son has actually created his own eBay business where he's buying and selling Supreme and Kith and, you know, I'm sort of, how did he, how did he learn that? Where did that, right. uh, that knack come from? But I think a lot of it has been watching his dad over the years and probably watching us in action. And I think he's probably even inspired by that. Uh, I do love talking about marketing with my kids. My, um, son who's 10 is like so into Xbox and so into these games and the games are very smart. I mean, just as smart as beauty marketers. It um, entices him to make an additional purchase within the game to get something that's exclusive and one time mm -hmm. only. It's going to run out, right? So it feels very much almost like a QVC experience, you know, um, that you have a limited amount of time. I have a very good price, and you'll never <laughs> see this again until maybe next year. So when he gets all consumed, like, I need to make this purchase now. No, you're not allowed to make that purchase. But it's going to go away, and it's exclusive. And I, <laughs> we talk about this, that these are really good marketers. And this is what we do in all, all these t different types of businesses, which is try to attract you. And then I do like a little like skit, like I'm acting out what, what's going on in QVC. And they laugh because they get it. Um, and they're going to be very savvy consumers because of it. 
Um, but it's so amazing to watch the marketing happen through his eyes because he really is like the, the best consumer of this stuff because he's doing exactly what the marketers want him to do. Yes, yes. And so he's learning in the process and you're learning and then you're having a chance to discuss it together. Yes. So I think a lot about actually like how can I actually bring some of the gaming culture, lifestyle, um, you know, add-ons into beauty, into mm-hmm. beauty marketing, because mm-hmm. I know we do a lot of it, but we don't do it all. And they're, I mean, the community around gamers is really like bigger than around beauty. It's phenomenally huge worldwide. Let's bring some of that um, into our industry. I agree. Gamification, especially <laughs> because of the online world mm-hmm. these days and that the gamification of things is the, the layering of the next level, the next level, wanting to aspire to achieve, to gain, to be rewarded. And I think that could be a terrific opportunity for many brands um, in beauty. So let's do that. Yeah, okay. Let's we'll do that do together. It. It's the community, <laughs> too, because he's playing with, you know, 50 other strangers. Right? He doesn't know who they are. Um, and to leave the game feels so intimate to him because he's leaving those people, he's leaving the progress, he's le- leaving the points behind if he exits before you know X or Y or Z or happens. And he's so invested in that community to, mm-hmm. to I mean, to a fault because he won't do what I want him to do, you know, outside of that world. <laughs> well, that's a different issue. We'll have right. a different podcast for that. <laughs> uh, but you know, the sense of community obviously it exists in beauty, but it doesn't feel as uh, rich and intimate as the, the experience he has with his game gaming community who are all strangers to him. So anyway, that's a, a little bit of an aside. Um, so let's go back to fragrance. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's something to be done there in fragrance because fragrance is so emotional. I agree with you. We need to talk about that. Yes, yeah. So, um, you know, I I want to talk about connecting because you're such an incredible connector. Thank you're such you. a generous connector. And this is kind of new for me. Like, I really have been a loner most of my life. Like, I felt fringe for most of my life. And it's really only the past two years when I started working with a coach and, like, learning about, like, how to, you know, move in the world in a business way when I really started investing time in this um, that I realized that um, to make connections, you just have to put yourself out there and meet people and connect, and they will connect for you and you will connect for them. Um, So tell me why this seems to come so easy to you. I think that um, networking is not something I've ever thought about as a practical act. Um, For me, collaborating and partnering, and um, I think if you have gifts to make them gifts that you've been given to give away, I think networking is more about putting a hand out (laughs) than taking a hand from someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for, for me, I just have so enjoyed and, and so enjoyed this beauty and fragrance industry and the people in it for me, maybe it, it was that I came to the U.S. when I was quite young, have been family for me. Uh, they weren't just colleagues mm-hmm. and people I worked with. They really, it's a very familial feeling for me. Uh, and so uh, networking for me felt like a sisterhood or brotherhood. <laughs> um, and it was so wonderful to see people that I knew be able to progress and if I could help them along the way I would. And and as it turns out, vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. particularly with an entrepreneur, you do need a bit of help, right. you know. So, you know, networking for me is just a very um, organic uh, way of being, not necessarily something that's a strategy. And networking is not for me something that is even um, in the moment or in the short term. It's a lifelong um, journey. And um, the people that you meet in the beginning, you tend to meet in the middle and the end. And it is one big web, (laughs) actually, particularly the beauty industry. So, so, so important that we support each other. And um, I found wonderful ways to 
um, network, uh, to use that word, and uh, through a lot of these industry organizations, uh, I find what you put into them is, is really what you get out. And I've had just so much great experience with, with Fashion Group International or Cosmetic Executive Women, and, and now in the world of business with the Young Presidents Organization, one of the best investments that I've made um, would be the, the YPO for sure. Let's talk about networking a little bit deeper because I, I hear what you're saying and it makes so much sense, but it's not the point of view that I had coming into it. I really, you know, I don't, what I'm hearing from you, it's not network, you're making relationships, right? Like the word networking almost doesn't make sense for the way that you, um, you the value around that, you, the values you have around it, mm -hmm. you're making relationships. I came into this thinking, I run a business, I'm supposed to find work. Mm -hmm. So I looked at everybody like a piece of red meat. You were a piece of red meat. I'm supposed to eat you, meaning like get your business, right? <laughs> so um, I really had no other knowledge of doing this any other way than being like, who am I going to meet today who's going to get me work tomorrow, which is an awful feeling. And um, that's what I thought this, this was. And um, I never really invested any time reading about this or um, talking to people about it. Um, I didn't even know that there was something to learn. You know, it was so foreign to me. So I, I wouldn't do it. You know, it would be really uncomfortable. Um, even though I'm like sort of a sociable person, I was just really uncomfortable with the motivation behind it, mm -hmm. right? I felt like a slimy salesperson. Um, but what I've learned through you and other friends who are great at this is that um, there is the most fun to be had in our business by just meeting new people. I mean, this is like probably one of the best things in my day is just talking to people and listening to people. Um, and that no one is, is red meat anymore, you know, <laughs> which is like, I don't, you know, how can I help you? How can I learn about you? And um, the word networking almost doesn't make sense. It feels um, fraudulent for what we are actually doing now. I love your freshness, your complete transparent honesty. It's so it's so refreshing. You know, it's great. And and the fact that you came to this realization and how amazing it's been for you in your personal development. And yes, there has to let's let's think of another word for networking. Okay. Um, because it really is so much about the relationships, and the relationships take a shape and a form that one could never imagine. You know, yes, there's business. Uh, benefits to it for sure, but there's so many other benefits to it that um, you can't even calculate. Yeah, the um, the business is so secondary to me at this point in terms of like making relationships um, because what I've learned is that I don't know where the work is coming from. I don't know where our future clients are coming from. I can't direct that, right? If I could, it would be a lot easier. So I've just given up... Um, Having trying to have a sense of control around that, and um, really give give it up. Like I'm, it's it's gone for me. I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. And I just focus on like learning about people, hearing their point of view, talking about funny or weird stories, and then that's that's it. And then like sharing that with my friends, mm -hmm. um, and it removes so much pressure and pain from from the process of just like being in our in our in our business. Here, here. It's about joy and it's about fulfillment. And if you can fulfill someone else's dream and goal, then you can generally fulfill your own. It is, it is reciprocal, sometimes not right away. I think the other important part of these, these enduring relationships is, um, I'll just say, you know, I try my best to really not forget. I, you know, you're not always 100%, but I try my best to not forget if someone has um, made a nice connection mm -hmm. or someone has done a good deed. Um, 
you know, you really try to remember where that came from because yeah. in the fast-paced world that we're in, it's really easy to forget who made a connection for you yeah. because then you're on to the next and you do get some business from it. But always remembering uh, where that came from is, is and honoring that and, and, and being thankful f for that and to the person themselves, um, I think is really important. Do you have a, a trick or a tactic to help you remember Oh, that's a, that's a good one. No, I actually don't. Um, I, it's just so meaningful to me that mm -hmm. I just don't forget. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I'm... Um, try not to forget. <laughs> right. You know, I think what happens with me is eventually I remember. So maybe, like, um, something mm -hmm. exciting came out of a connection, and two weeks later I'll remember, oh, I should get back to, you know, whoever it was that connected me and let them know, which I, I don't think is too much time to lapse. But, you know, it's, like, not in that exact moment am I remembering. And I would love to come up with a practical tactic for keeping it more top of mind so that I can be very immediate with um, that note because I do uh, respect so much the, the effort that someone made in that connection and value it. Um, and I, I don't want to forget or I won't want to too much time to go by before I remember. If you if you create that, I'll buy into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's just like, um, I put notes up on my wall in the office, um, motivational things or things that, like I was calling, um, I won't say who, one client the wrong name, because like I just associate this person with and someone else who had a different name. So I did it once right in front of this client, which is like awful, you know, it, it felt so bad to do that. And then I was on a call where this person wasn't on the call, thank goodness, but I used that name again with my team. So I'm like, I need to stop this. So I just taped the person's name right in front of me in my office. So I see it every single day. And I like study it. I look at it and I stare at it and think about it. So then I close my eyes and I could see the real name, not the name that I'm getting. Right. So you've, re about. you've reconditioned. You've reeducated yes. yourself. Yes. I, yeah. I good. That's a great. So maybe a there's great like a technique. Another sign that I could mm -hmm. put up on the fridge. Possibly. Yeah. Put up in I my think. Office. I think. You know, it's, it's hard to do, but when you think of something, you know, writing it down. Yeah. Uh, we're so into our phones and our computers and typing, and I see it with my children. There's something about the act of writing something down with your hand and a pen. Everything is connected through your nervous system, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think the act of writing something down with a pen, literally in your handwriting almost helps it to become more ingrained. At least I find that for myself. So I think there's something there in terms of definitely writing something down and if yeah. posting it up helps. Yeah. Sometimes just writing it down helps me to, to remember better. I, I think when I have a Sharpie marker in my hand, things change. When I have a pen, my handwriting is really sloppy and messy and I have like carpal tunneling problems, so my handwriting just looks like it's messed up. <laughs> but when I have a Sharpie in my hand, there's something about like a sense of like crafting and creating where I think I'm more intent, like more intent. Mm -hmm. So that is always legible. So maybe that's what I need to do um, when it comes to connecting, pick up that Sharpie, write it down. So yes. it doesn't look like a jumbled scrap of paper. Later. Yes. Give that, give that a try. Yes, I will. Get back to me. <laughs> yes, I will. I will. So, um, you know, we only have a minute or so remaining. I just wanted to talk about motherhood a little bit. And, um, you know, you told me that your kids who are teen, young teens now are really helpful, right? When you're challenged with something, they sort of give you the answer right away. Um, but what about the life-work balance, the um, getting home by a certain time or, you know, having enough time to spend with them or whatever it is? Is that easier now that they're teens than it was when they were little? Or is it, are the demands even harder now? 
I would just say different. I think it's different. I think when your children are small, they have certain needs. Um, some of those needs are more functional and they can be helped by other people. So we always had the most wonderful nannies uh, because I've always worked full time and then my husband was working. And making it okay with yourself, um, finding peace with um, asking for help and then finding the right help. You deserve the right help. You can find the right help. If you don't have the right nanny, it's okay. You know, set it up for that person to exit grace, gracefully and then, and then find that right person for you and your family. You deserve that. You can have it. That's something um, a wonderful woman once really instilled in me. <laughs> um, I think then as the children get older, the needs are different. They need a different kind of care. You know, it's not so functional. It's more emotional. Uh, it's, you, there's a greater vigilance that occurs as they get older with this incredible new world of online, mm -hmm. you know, monitoring their activities, setting guidelines and parameters. I think the best thing we can do for our children is to just give them that great set of rules and life guidelines and help them to make or learn how to make good decisions. And then at a certain point, we just have to trust them. Uh, because ultimately they are going to be living a life of their own. So I would just say the work-life balance as we get older is different. The stresses are different. The children certainly can go and take care of their dressing. They can even make a bowl of cereal mm -hmm. by themselves. Um, but the, the thinking that we need to do or the educating or the conversations we need to have or the things we need to think about or where we need to show up it may right. not be to be up with them making their breakfast in the morning because they actually prefer to make their own breakfast, but it really might be to make sure you are home at least four or five nights out of the week at that dinner table. Mm -hmm. um, I have really learned that that evening meal, there are things that you'll learn there that you would never have imagined. And if you miss it, you could miss those things. So that would be a tip. I think the family meal is very, very important in the evening, taking the time to take the time to sit down, make a meal, and sit together and talk about what happened that day, what's on people's minds. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It's been incredible to have you as a guest. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoy this interview with Caroline. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, please follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.